When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's great to get you on Real Vision. I'm really excited about this conversation because I think most people have seemed to be very US-centric in this whole thing that's going on. So I really wanted to chat to you to get some broader ideas of where this is all going. But before we start that, how the hell did you get into this in the first place? Tell us your story a bit. Hi, Ralph. First of all, thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure. I've, I've uh, been a big fan listening to all you, to your show and uh, um, exciting to, to, to hopefully contribute a bit and bring in a, yet another perspective. Um, well, how did I get into, into crypto or more broadly digital asset space? Actually, there was a kind of two phases. First, it was in 2012. Uh, where a big trigger was was my brother, who's a, a tech geek, you know, uh, the, the, the guy who would always uh, work in, in his teens already on dismantling computers and, and trying to put together uh, diff- different types of computers, uh, got into mining of Bitcoin, etc. And then I, I started looking at it and, and found it interesting as a concept, but not yet really um, kind of getting it, to be quite frank, just dabbling with it a little bit. Then the real trigger for me was in in, uh, in in when the Ethereum white paper came out because that was a time when I was uh, managing a a family office in India. You may know that the Tata Group and Ratan Tata is an Indian industrialist. For him, I, I invested in, in in various companies and technology companies across the world. And what what kind of was striking at that time to me was kind of if you inter- if we interacted with these Silicon Valley entrepreneurs or or China based India based tech entrepreneurs it was always that kind of notion of leveraging today's internet infrastructure to monopolize data to monetize it in a way in, in and at some some point I felt it at the cost or sometimes disadvantage of the user of, of you and me of everyone and kind of that then triggered that that uh, almost a fear of where this would lead if we continue to do uh, and, and do business this way uh, leveraging today's infrastructure then came across the Ethereum white paper and for me it, it then triggered that element of okay now I learned that we can transfer originals and not copies from me to you at any point in time as long as we have access to the internet and there's no intermediaries involved and settlement times are short that was the big Bitcoin invention and now with with this, the smart, con- cap- smart contract capability of Ethereum we can make these assets smart and with that kind of find a way to give back control to people of their digital uh, digital uh, identity but also how just anything of value is transferred that really triggered the libertarian in me and so i went through this phase of 14 15 16 17 of of just you know commingling with these great founders from around the world that were launching projects going through the ico hype uh, investing knowing that there was no it was not a security but how do you even know where to start so you see the ethereum white paper who, yeah. who, do you, who do you reach out to if you're like what and what job were you doing at the time were you still working for tata running the family office or yes at that time i was um i, I was uh, managing uh, ratan tata's uh, family offices rnt associates it's basically very broad mandate just for him personally investing in tech no no real uh, scope in terms of uh, you know what stage or what company was a, a wonderful uh, wonderful um to be traveling wow. with that's an opportunity yeah and see the world and and um you know at some point um we also invested in in actually bill's uh, bill bartett's uh, uh, company abra uh, which today is also quite uh, you know quite quite very well established actually in, in in the crypto space bill was one of the first guys doing actually the first guy doing a a TED talk on Bitcoin, and um, uh, so that was one one gentleman, obviously that then uh, that was uh, in my life, so to say. Very shortly after, uh, I met one of my now co-founders, Luca, who was the gentleman who set up the Ethereum Foundation from a legal perspective, right? Swiss Swiss lawyer who had that idea of leveraging the Swiss Foundation as a means of 
launching distributed, fully decentralized infrastructure uh, from a funding model. And so that's how you start, and then uh, and then uh, you know you, you you build your network and uh, and 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 meet great minds. So. Yeah. so when did you start building? When did you start building a business yourself around this? And what was your vision? Yeah. So uh, you know, we, we then um, it was this uh, this last uh, yeah it was a bit of a hype cycle, of course, where we we, we invested um, uh, personally and also for for the for the family office, uh, um, but very much behind the scenes. Um, then realizing, okay, this is now the time I have to. F- really focus on this full time trying with uh, one of the other co- uh, now signum co-founders manu um we wanted to launch a fund and you know kind of combine or 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 knowledge and and, and provide access to more institutional investors to the space, realizing it's just not possible. No infrastructure is in place. Um, so many of the things that were happening were detached from reality a little bit. So we came together, together in 17 for, for co-founders and said, look, um, there's something big happening. It's a once in a generation opportunity. However, um, we need to accept that future is heritage. And if we do that, um, we need to start building infrastructure that is scalable, that is regulatory compliant, so that it can help the, 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 the ecosystem to bring about real adoption. And that was our thesis to set up Signum at the interface of Switz- at, at, across Switzerland and Singapore, two strong hubs with many similarities, but also differences, and to build a bridge between today's financial world uh, because 99.9% of the money and the flow and uh, is still and at that point even more than today obviously in traditional finance and help to build a bridge to where we believe uh, future finance will be and so that was the trigger in 17. But you've got a banking license which is a different way of doing it. Swiss banking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, we are uh, we don't call ourselves a bank with the with the tech uh, IT department. We are a technology company. We're a technology group with 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 a banking license. And why a license? Because we we felt that. Uh, again, that element of future has heritage, right? There is the future of where we all see the the, 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 the financial market infrastructure is headed, more decentralized, smart, using technology to make financial instruments and products smart, more efficient, and more accessible to anyone. Um, however, also the acceptance that there's a heritage, a heritage of excellence in banking, of regulatory frameworks, of anti-money laundering laws, just accepting that there's many of the things that we have in today's world Will not just vanish, and and hence we want to. We, we felt we need to combine this. And I can tell you, when we started, eighty percent of the people we approached, we told them we will build the world first crypto bank. They were not really taking it seriously, uh, but but we did. Uh, we also uh, we we also made sure actually that we did not do a single transaction uh, before we were a bank and had the banking license to make sure that at no point, even five years down the line, uh, any regulator or any other entity could come and say you have legacy, you did this, not following the rules. So that we now feel we have the baseline to really and the foundation to really scale and and and, and build the business across these two worlds. And so, what kind of services? Do you offer now? Now you've got the banking license. I understand. I mean, it's kind of not quite your libertarian view because you've actually slotted into the traditional system, but it makes sense. And something I've been preaching that we have to accept those things yes. in order to move forwards. Because if not, you, you're fighting all the way. When we can slowly migrate people if you just do what they need to do this and work with regulators. So, what kind of services are you offering? What kind of clients are you attracting? Who's this for? Yes, uh, before I, I answer the, the question, I just want to tell you, you know, our mission is to empower everyone with more direct access to ownership and value. And I know that you understand what I'm saying with what we're saying with this mission. And now you would immediately say, but a bank doesn't provide access and empower everyone with more direct access to ownership and value because you still are a bank. And in that sense, you're a centralized entity. However, if you want to get to that state and to give people back more control, we feel it's a path. It's not something you can just switch on and then it happens at scale and truly globally. And hence that, that taking the regulators and taking governments, national banks along. So what, what, what we offer is basically we are a digital asset technology group focused on an all-in-one account approach across cryptocurrencies, stablecoins, and asset tokens. So we offer 
uh, uh, institutional grade custody, ser custody services, 24-7 brokerage trading. We have an options business on top, uh, fully regulated. We, we have a Lombard lending business. Uh, you can co collateralize your crypto with us and take loans in fiat. We have an asset management business run out of Singapore where we have funds of funds, exchange traded products to provide access to this asset class. And all of this focused in stage one on institutional investors, qualified private investors, and even other banks. So our clients are crypto foundations, brokers, exchanges, um, DLT companies, but also increasingly family offices and, and high net worth individuals that want to get into this space. And you're in Europe, you know, there's some similar, I'm not saying they're the same, but similar operations between people like a blend between Nidig, Galaxy. There's a few people trying to do this kind of institutionalization space with a multi-product approach in the old kind of banking model, but in this new world. How are you seeing this develop in Europe differently? I presume most of your clients are European or you, know, or you have a weighted average towards Europe, I guess. And what's going on there? Because it feels that adoption is slower outside of Switzerland. We'll, we'll talk about Switzerland in a bit, but just the overall view about Europe. Yes, I mean, if I really carve out and, and, and do not refer to Switzerland, because I think Switzerland really is in this space a different animal, a special case, which, as you mentioned, we talk about. Uh, but Europe overall, yes, I would agree. Uh, adoption is, is slower, um, particularly driven by, let's say, the regulatory clarity not yet being fully fully there. There's a few countries that are catching up, UK, Germany, Luxembourg, a small country, Liechtenstein as well, which has a separate DLT law that they've launched. Uh, but in the grand schemes of things, um, it's not yet, the institutionalization process is, I would say, at the very beginning. That combined with, let's just say, in Europe, things generally being a bit more toned down, you know, not the US uh, Silicon Valley way and now we're going to do it and whatever it takes. Um, these two factors combined lead to a bit of slower, uh, slower adoption. However, uh, you asked about the client base. We have a um, Quite broad client base. Of course, it's it's uh, Europe heavy, but also a lot from from Asia actually increase increasingly. Yeah, so it's we are strongly set up across Europe and, and Asia from a footprint. And I think there's a reasonable amount of intent of what you're trying to do by the people who are on your board and stuff like that. You've attracted quite an extraordinary group of people around you, right? Yeah, that that is also one was one of the key um, elements at the beginning of again uh, highlighting that future has ele uh, heritage. Uh, element that that we wanted to signal that we do not take any shortcut we have world-class governance i mean the fact that we have a former uh, ubs ceo um, former swiss uh, national banks president and now vice chairman of, of blackrock uh, on on the first uh, the latter on or or the former on our board and the latter as, a, as an advisor and and many more that that is also testament to to us again playing that that interface and and, and making sure we can project and uh, trust and bring trust to to an to a to an industry which let's be frank in 17 many people were looking at an institution investor and say well you know i'm not really sure it sounds a bit uh, it's a bit strange uh, i i'd rather don't get into it particularly those who were managing third-party money and uh, players like ours we see it as our job to bring to bring trust to this and 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 and, and, and hence uh, enable also larger entities to which manage third-party money to uh, to invest in the digital asset uh, economy with complete trust. And but even if you look then at at our advisory board and board, we combine the two worlds also there. A, a Bill, who's the, the the CEO and founder of Apple, he's also an advisor to us. Or um, a Loy Lu, who launched uh, the decentralized uh, uh, Kyber network. Right. So we are trying to bring these two worlds together across the governance uh, in our company. Yeah, and also. As you said, Europe is different. It's more conservative, generally. So people want that extra layer of comfort to do things. As you say, it doesn't have the mentality, and that's a good thing and a bad thing. Um, I just don't know, as yet, well, let's go back. Family offices in Europe are usually pretty aggressive. They will do things faster than almost anybody else I've seen. Asian family offices are pretty good. European family offices, pretty good. They'll adopt this stuff, and I'm sure you've seen a big active growth in the family office. But to get people like AXA or Scottish Widows or Rubico across the line, these big pools of assets, 
or corporations like LVMH or across the line is really hard in Europe. Oh, very much so. I mean, uh, when it comes to family offices, I, I would agree. In Asia, I would say even more, slightly more aggressive uh, or, or less on capital pres preservation and more focused on still growing capital than in, in Europe. However, I agree with your statement. They just don't talk about it, right? And it's their right. They just do it. Um, and and nobody really needs to know. So I think the, uh, the if, if, if we were, were to know really the number of, of family offices and the capital allocated, particularly to crypto, uh, among uh, European family offices, I think generally it's, it probably will come out much higher than generally people would expect it to be because they just don't talk about it. But uh, your your point around uh, yeah, the big pools of capital, yes, that's that's a journey that will take time. Um, you know, if I but if I then think back how where the how the situation was in 2017 and what just happened in the last year in terms of institutional adoption and thank you, you the thanks to the US and the and some of the the players there who really opened up that 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 path also for Europe and Asia uh, i think now it's happening and we're seeing it even at signum i mean it's funny to see now to have uh, you know corporates uh, uh, starting to inquire for on, on the treasury on the treasury side using bitcoin as treasury for example we even have a bank uh, looking into this to use their own balance, to put Bitcoin on their own balance sheet, things that would never have been imaginable a year ago. So I think it's just coming now. And uh, over the next two, three years, um, I, I, I foresee that it will become very normal, uh, even in Europe, to do that. Yeah, it feels that Europe's kind of three or four years behind in the cycle. Um, yes. Even in the news flow, you just don't see that kind of level of news across Europe. Part of it is... The ECB have been very cautious as well. They haven't said no, but I think even the whole narrative around Bitcoin mining and its eco costs is actually driven from the ECB because they have the ESG mandates that they force on everybody and they want to slow adoption until they get their house in order. Where do you think... Because the ECB is the, is the big player in all of this. They need to make a decision because Switzerland can reach its own conclusions, but the big pools of capital are basically regulated by the EU. Where do you think they are? Because you must speak to the regulators. Yes, I mean, obviously, always have to, to be careful when uh, talking about what I feel the regulators think. But, um, you know, <laughs> just um, I think they, there's been, I think there's all regulators. Uh, also, in, in in Europe overall, but ECB specific, specifically, specifically, they are have putting a big focus on this topic right now. I think sometimes it's a bit of a hiding behind the CBDC kind of narrative, and you know, doing proof of concepts, and then coming out with messages: the digital euro needs to be safe and secure. You know, statements like this that we've recently seen. So it's a bit like hiding. Um, in some sense, uh, behind the topic, saying we're doing something, but not not really doing it, um, and at the same time, figuring out what how they want to deal with decentralized infrastructure, how they want to deal with a Bitcoin networks and others. And here, um, I personally am very confident when I look at the narrative or, or how it has changed over the last three four years that that a weighted ban uh, that we've now seen, for example, in Turkey, um, for obvious reasons, uh, and, and, and has been portrayed that even the US may may do, I mean, sometime back now, not anymore, really, that will not happen. I, I don't see any signs. I think people are now realizing this is happening. The big local exchanges in Germany and beyond have start, have launched uh, Bitcoin uh, trackers, etc. So it's it's gone too far. I don't think that a step back and a real ban of the asset class uh, won't happen. So hence, I'm, I'm quite relaxed. It just takes time because um, they're, they're figuring out uh, what to do. And Switzerland, in the midst of it, has um, really given clarity and has taken a stance and, um, um, uh, and hence has a, an enormous opportunity to... So what, did, so what did Switzerland do differently? You know, I was actually having conversations here on Ireland, the Cayman Islands, because they haven't sorted their shit out yet either. What did Switzerland do that, there was, that helped them? 
I think there's uh, many layers to this, but very fundamentally, if you look at Switzerland, the political system with the you know democracy, direct democracy, uh, subsidiarity principles, uh, trying to push down decisions to the lowest level possible, the village, then st- city, then canton, then state, that that kind of that attitude just lends itself or that system just lends itself very well to understand maybe a bit faster than other political systems what's going on here. And the, 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 you know, the, at the very core philosophically that a decentralized infrastructure with hundreds of thousands or millions of nodes that are, are, are kind of validating transactions or transfer of value sort of makes sense because Switzerland is a very decentralized country, also a country which has not shied away from for example, not joining certain uh, political unions, uh, staying neutral when others have said we need to, you know, take take a position, and hence this was the base. That's the foundation on, on which made it, I think, easier to also take a stance faster. That's the foundation. Then on top of that, it was, a, 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 in my view, a great combination of. Uh, political um, uh, movement or, or, or political backing, even by the, by the government early on. I mean, years ago, they said we want to become crypto nation. Uh, it's kind of that was kind of the, the you know put out, uh, and then obviously this made it easier for the regulator to to then allocate resources and really figuring it out um, fast. So I can say that we have worked in since 2018, early 2018, then till. Uh, August 19, very closely with the regulator to, to figure out how can we become the world's first crypto bank following all the rules that any other banks in, in Switzerland does. Do you, do you think the Swiss saw that this was the future of the entire financial architecture of the world and that they had no choice but to do it? Because one of the key things for Switzerland was being a linchpin in the global financial system. Did, did they get it? Some, and how, how come they got it? I think the how come they got it, I really think I would go back again to that, to my comment around just the fabric of the society and how the political system works and just how people, you know, for people operate. I and mean, we vote here on things every second month or so, you know, it's just, it's just, we're so used to everyone contributing, finding uh, compromises on the one hand side, but secondly, also being small in the grand schemes of things could be considered irrelevant in, in, in international space, but have via this, via innovation, via, via our banking uh, infrastructure and, and banking industry always play, played like maybe a larger role than you would expect that eight, eight million people would do in the middle of Europe, not being part of, of the European Union. And I think that foresightedness, um, has, has helped several, at several stages, but and, and again, I think this is what's happening here again. We are also almost, as I'm, I'm Swiss myself, so I say I refer to we, uh, we have to because otherwise we're not, not relevant, right? So we are pushed. And if you look at Singapore, it's a bit of a similar situation geographically where they are um, and, and uh, no natural resources, uh, fully focused on, you know, leveraging the brain and, 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 uh, and, and, serve and pushing services. Hence, I think that's, that's what leads to this breeding ground for, for, for that. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. And so, what? So, with all of this, there's another whole ecosystem going on, this Crypto Valley stuff. Talk a bit about. What's actually happening on the ground in Switzerland? So it's not just a regulatory thing. There's actual. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, I mean, and that's something which I always uh, now I'm addressing uh, you guys in the US, which I think is so underestimated. I mean, we have uh, many of the co- companies that in the US will be just perceived as a US company have actually been set up in, in Switzerland. If you look at the largest crypto foundations, the, the, the protocols are out there from Ethereum to, to Tezos, now that the launch of Definity coming up, um, the Web3, you know, Polkadot, all these were actually set up in, in Switzerland, are still in, in, in Switzerland, but are, have leveraged this, this foundation uh, structure to launch the decentralized infrastructure, uh, leveraging the, the legal uh, system, the regulatory frameworks here. 
uh, and also the talent pool. So we have in Switzerland hundreds of of uh, of, of companies fully focused on on crypto and digital assets. We we I would say we are probably the country we have at the most even now um, regulated financial institutions getting into the space. We have public announcements of cantonal banks. These are state-backed banks that are getting into the space. I don't know any other country or very few countries where this is happening. Um, so there's a huge cluster, uh, hap- uh, cluster uh, forming or has formed. And, um, and um, so it's super exciting. And it's completely underestimated, actually. Yeah, I, I think I that's see. true because... The faster the vortex spins, the more it sucks people in. As you said, suddenly it's sucking in the cantonal banks and you know, suddenly people are building businesses because it's a huge opportunity. Yes. It's an opportunity, a new opportunity to make and build wealth and businesses and all of those things. And we were kind of without that in finance for quite a while. You know, it's been a pretty oh, shitty yeah. world. And then suddenly it's like, oh my God. Now we're at the center of the industry, of the world's biggest opportunity. Um, and you can feel it in Switzerland. There's an energy going on that is really powerful. Absolutely. No, it is. And I, and I can also just tell you as an entrepreneur, I feel so incredibly privileged of, of uh, you know, being uh, at that point at, at, at that, in that space. I think, I, I think it's not a, a once in a 10 year, it's a once in a generation opportunity. What, what's happening right now that we can, that we again can transfer originals now, uh, Wherever, from wherever we want with just internet access and, and actually making assets smart, making rebuilding all financial products and more that we've done for many, many years in the same way and very centralized manner in, 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 uh, with technology. And, um, and, and I also believe we're just at the, at the very beginning. What is tough, uh, and that's true for Switzerland and, and also the US and, and, and more broadly and probably for all entrepreneurs active in the space is, to cut out the noise, right? That there's there's so much noise uh, um, uh, around, and and for me also, I mean, every day I have to remind myself, you know, just focus on on, on your on your thesis. Of course, don't don't stay stubborn, and there may be you may have to tweak, and but but there's a lot of noise, and 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 and, and that ability, uh, I just wish for for everyone who's uh, active in the space to to never forget, because there will be months again, or maybe even years of lots of fun and, and, and people saying it's all going to go down and never coming back. And, and I'm not referring to price action necessarily only, right? So that is, um, I think that will, which will make a difference that hopefully we have thousands of entrepreneurs who can cut out the noise and make their, and charge and make their own opinions and, 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 and base their actions on the basis of their own thinking and not on just the thousands of, of, of small input. I'm, I'm finding the opposite problem is the case these days. Um, it is a noise problem, but it's less about the FUD narrative because I think everybody in the space understands that there may be an ongoing cycle in the space. There's an, an up cycle and a down cycle. And I think nobody really cares any longer. They kind of see through that, so it's fine. It's the speed at which this shit's happening that is now the way harder. The speed of the innovation, new products, new areas, all happening at the same time and all trying to grab your attention span, that's hard. Uh, yes, uh, I would I, I would agree, and I don't think it's contradicting uh, what, what I said because then for the individual companies, uh, you know, you you need to always pick and choose, and where do you put your resources? Where do you put your energy? Where do you go? I mean, what is really long term viable versus what is just maybe yeah maybe a hype, um, and, and and that's what I meant, right? So it's kind of to carve out the noise and stay true to your um, to your thesis. So there's, there's three things I want to ask you about because they're all coming, and I. I think people don't understand, and I don't understand them. Some of them are bigger than I think people understand. First is, and I don't know what comes first. I'm going to do it. The first one's Definity. What the hell is this? I'm hearing this from a lot of people. I try and look it up. I'm, just, I'm like, I don't really understand any of this. But and it's like everybody in the world is backing this thing. What is it? So, so first of all, I don't want to stand here and tell you even before the the the, the actual launch. It will be on the seventh of May, and I'm personally super excited about that. I that you know I fully grasp it because I think it's big, and that's fair but, and honest because that but, yes. this space is nobody knows, right? Yes, but you know I try. So I think just. Anything around digital assets is becoming more complex, and um, it started simple. But simplicity is also 
uh, is great. So Bitcoin, it's very simple. It's very clear use case. In my, for me, it's store of value, transfer of originals, anything of value, uh, no copies, you know, not, no Twitter uh, copying. It's, it, that is the use case and that's very clear and simple. That's the invention that Bitcoin gave us. Now, and then second layer or the second stage was Ethereum. And obviously more, but that's by far the biggest. Ethereum, smart contract, making assets smart, um, and with that opening up lots of use cases right now, obviously focused around DeFi and NFTs, etc. And now with Definity, basically you there's a third or the next level of of of, um, of complexity that can be added because we've now reached we've reached a, a place where or. A, a, a level of adoption and, and 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 a number of transactions, et cetera, that scalability and what you really do then within the contracts or with the, uh, the, the smart contracts becomes so complex that um, managing computer power and uh, storage becomes so important that you manage that at the core, right? And Definity has built, they call it into the internet computer exactly that. That you cannot, when you talk about scalability, you don't just talk about number of transactions and throughput anymore, but rather how can you optimize uh, in a decentralized manner also computing power, a distribution and storage, file storage. Uh, basically, for example, they will go after the AWSs and, and Microsoft Azure's uh, cloud infrastructure for, 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 for as, a, as, a, as, a, as one example. And if you, I can, one number I, I, I recently read is, if you want to trans, uh, tra if you want to um, put one gigabyte through a Ethereum chain, it costs you several millions, around five million. If you want to do, if you do that on the Definity chain, it costs you uh, five dollars, right? And so that is kind of the, the, the that next. Uh, that's what they're trying to achieve. Basically, that the internet computer, as they call it, very bold, but uh, I'm super excited about it. And that is not there to compete with Ethereum or necessarily or bitcoin or anything else it's just another layer yes. within all of this operates in an interoperability layer this is like the computing layer the the, the exactly. speed processing that layer exactly. it's the computing layer and the storage layer exactly yeah because yeah. it's kind of being referred to as like internet 3.0 or 2.0 3.0 i guess 3.0 yeah 2.0 exactly yes Yes, and, and 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 if this works, I mean, then you know, I think we, our brain cannot fathom what it would mean in terms of uh, you know opening up uh, opportunities for again any individual from anywhere in the world who wants to build on some sometimes something like this much more efficiently, faster uh, than than in today's today's. And it's world. backed by a whole group of serious people and companies, right? Yes, uh, yes. Uh, I mean, from the crypto world and and beyond, and uh, also based in Switzerland. Yes, that's why I asked. The yeah. other one that's based in Switzerland, I think, is DM. Uh, DM, yes, yes. Uh, Libra now DM, yes, yeah. DM. What is interesting to me about DM that people don't yet understand is. I've been doing work on adoption curves and internet adoption curves and comparing them to Bitcoin adoption curves. And you kind of get to the next five years, we go from where we are today, about 125 million users of uh, crypto to a billion, just, by, just from growth of how fast it's growing and the kind of adoption curve. But in the next couple of years, DM launches. And DM is the world's largest network of which you will all be able to get a wallet and be able to transfer value across it. Now, whether you like or don't their stablecoin, it's irrelevant. This is a game changer for literally the world um, because it then integrates with everything else. It, it's bringing a digital system to everybody. So you're going to onboard Two and a half billion people. Sure, not everybody will, but you know, you're going to onboard in one go probably a billion people into crypto. Yes, I mean, there. This is such a difficult uh, one for me to answer because I really like the the, the DM team a lot, and uh, and they're super smart, super smart guys. I think the first the the, the launch of 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 then at that point Libra was from a PR standpoint. Mm -hmm. 
you know, was a bit difficult. Obviously, and you know, a lot of alarm clocks went off uh, across regulators and and, and central banks, etc. Uh, no, even regulators traveling across the world uh, from where you know U.S. to Switzerland and beyond to figure out what's going on. Um, so that was a bit difficult. Now they changed a little bit um, and 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 have have a new plan. Uh, also, want to be regulated, right? Uh, starting in, in Switzerland. Um, I think there is a, a use case, but I think, and, and you're right, if, if they can indeed do that, I mean, it, it just, it's a massive network from day one, if that they can, that they can unlock. However, um, th there's lots of challenges that they, they'll face. And I, hence, in the very long term, still continue to believe that a fully decentralized infrastructure that cannot be, you know, controlled as such by, uh, one uh, government or or switched off by by one government or two or regulators coming in will ultimately um, uh, prevail um but 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 we'll see so yeah i mean the ultimately prevail fine some of that is our own personal opinion but the guy in ethiopia who wants to send money to his cousin in new york city or buy something and he can just use it with his dm token because he's set up on facebook and he's got a wallet I mean, he doesn't care about Bitcoin, doesn't care about That's decentralization. He cares about access to the, the global financial system on the level playing field where he can buy and sell goods. Now, again, we, as you say, it's, a, it's not a distributed network. It's an owned network, but it can be a cluster within a much bigger thing. That's okay. Yes, uh, yes, that's true. I mean, and there, um, I, I would agree. And I, I see the use case. And if they manage to manage the stakeholders uh, in the grand schemes of things, few stakeholders, but powerful stakeholders who know exactly where to find DM and, and what they do, right? And can go after them any any point in time. If they manage to do that, then um, this will be huge. And um, um, I, I would agree. Yeah. yeah, because then Amazon has to go down that route. <laughs> now, whether they create their own currency or create crypto rails, who knows? Obviously, the, the own currency route is favorable for them because these are like countries. That, they, well, they're, they're bigger than countries. So to have your own currency makes total sense. Now, sure, it's a stable coin. Amazon needs to do this because if Bitcoin, if Facebook creates now a network of exchange of value using their own system, then that threatens Amazon, whose very business is that, but they don't have currency. So, you know, again, I don't think people understand how game-changing this all is, how it all plays out. None of us know. All I know is that a huge group of people are going to be put on these rails instantaneously. Yes, yes but the, the, the uh, and I agree with you, but you know, if you, if you think back to the very beginning when you asked me what motivated me uh, to get into the space, I, I said it's, it's to find a way to take back more control and that when I was traveling with Mr. Tata and, and found these companies to invest in, that some of this, one of the striking thing was always that I felt how these entrepreneurs, which are super smart, have monetized the data of people as centralized entities and, and becoming fewer and fewer is because it's a, you know, maybe not the winner takes it all, but almost kind of a situation. And the, the Amazons and the Facebooks of the world are such examples. If we now were to go down that path that you're painting and you may be right, I, I, at least for me, I fear that that taking back control and making sure that not very few are controlling everything. We're not, you know, we're not achieving. That's kind of fine. And just arguing the point here, not that I, I don't really have a strong view on this, but yeah. it's fine for you and I to say, well, we don't want Facebook to have control, right? We want our own control. But when you are the guy in Ethiopia who wants to send money or buy something and he's got, it can't because the banks don't allow him to do it. So DM gives him control. It just depends on what perspective you come from. Right, he can't get back. He, she can't get banking. So, why should we stop that? Because that's giving them control back. At our level, we're like, no, we don't want to give it to this monopoly. We want distributed. They're like, I don't care. Just let me pay for my grains that I need to plant in my fields this way. Yes, there again, that's a fair point. There's just one other element. Probably the guy in Ethiopia that you're referring to also doesn't really. It's not his main concern, but what we what we are what, what we're seeing is obviously that such let's call it then honeypots or centralized entities where lots of value is aggregated 
are very attackable. And I mean, if you just look in the last few months again, I mean, I don't know how many, how many hundreds of millions of data leaks, uh, data, uh, data, Facebook had a huge data leak recently. So it just kind of, if, if this, if we were to go down that path over the next 10, 20, 30 years, we will just continue to have entities that will thicker and thicker walls to not be hacked, but concentrating so much of uh, value and value transfer and infrastructure in centralized in a centralized manner that uh, we will have you know a, a significant uh, further um, and, uh, breaches and, and yeah and, and, and I agree and I think decentralized decentralization wins over time it's hard to, to but, it won't, to but it won't necessarily be winning all times in the race but over yes. time over time well I mean everyone talks about stuff like this and Everybody forgets the fact that Google has more data on more people on Earth than any other entity in all recorded history. We talk about the yes. Chinese government and Baidu and Alibaba. No, Google has more on everything. Yes. Um, and nobody even asks. I've never seen a question is, how safe is my data on Google? How many hacks are there? Why? Because Google has to be a state-controlled enterprise to a certain extent. That's why you never hear about it, right? It's important. Its geopolitical importance is gigantic absolutely and you know that's one of the the reasons uh, that's one of the things that i'm i don't want to say worried but which i think is a bit sometimes naive by europe let's just say europe uh, without going into a country specific discussion that if you look at this very base infrastructure the large networks that people are operating on like that we use uh, every day right now for example it's all either uh it's a big concentration u.s infrastructure and Chinese infrastructure. Europe is basically running on, to your point, Chinese, uh, mostly U.S. Uh, U.S. infrastructure. And you know, if, if you if you look, if you think about it geopolitically and think in the future, it's that's a very scary thing. Um, yeah, and I don't think anybody's got a plan because the just the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial environment in Europe has not been there to generate large networks. So. Uh, it's been a pro it's been a problem, um, and it remains a problem because there's no political willpower to change it, and political will won't change it now. You need entrepreneurial will, um, because by you know the EU saying we don't want Facebook, but that's not easy, right? That's like Iran trying to do it and stuff like that it doesn't really work. Yeah, and that moves me on to the final thing, um, which is okay. The next big thing, maybe the biggest of all, is the central bank digital currency part of the equation, because. As you said, I pick up from the regulators that they central bank digital currencies wouldn't have existed without without um, Bitcoin. That's, That's true. absolutely clear. Yes. They did it. They wouldn't they, say that, but uh, yeah, but they probably just, wouldn't. Say that. Yeah, but they did it because they realised the world had changed. So it's a testament to how powerful this new technology is, and they're going to go down this route and onboard everybody basically into digital rails, which again. If a government is mandating it, and not one government, but China, Europe, the US will follow suit, but a bunch of others, you're going to put three, two billion people straight into the digital world, where suddenly connecting with Bitcoin, Ethereum, tokens, NFTs, pay, multiple payment systems, transmission of value, all becomes natural and native. I mean, again, people kind of underestimate it because they're worried about central banks, they're doing this, it's not Bitcoin. I'm like, no, no, this is an accelerant. This is like throwing kerosene on the fire of this whole change. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And, I, you know, I'm probably you too, I'm getting asked all the time, oh, what happens if the CBDCs are launched? Will Bitcoin go down? Will it go to zero? No use case anymore. No, it's the contrary. It basically means even more infrastructure adoption and and also knowledge and, and and public debate about what the infrastructure does what the technology does is there and the in integration and interaction with with the ne also decentralized networks will be even much easier and and uncommon hence yeah i mean it will be an, an enormous accelerator of, of it and it's clear that the ecb who the big player for us because the chinese one is more closed and more asia centric so this this whole Eurocoin, whatever it's going to be, is probably the big change because the Fed don't look like they want to be quick. It sounds like they want to get this done within the next five years, but there's a weird thing here is why would they try and compete with the private sector in terms of the rails? That's that's already there. You kind of 
if they were to try and set up their own kind of ring-fenced digital asset rails and blockchain, it doesn't make much sense, right? Um, why do you think they would compete with uh, the private sector? I personally, for example, feel that it doesn't mean that if you have a, an ECB-launched digital euro so that it wouldn't make sense anymore to have a you know private sector issued digital asset or digital euro no, I, don't mean, I, yeah. I don't mean that i mean why yeah. develop your own blockchain so why not just use whatever that somewhere that the market is already innovating on and improving and just say fine what we'll do is we'll build the wallet from central bank to people or banks or whatever access We'll let you build your fintech layer and we'll use your blockchain. There needs to be something like that that happens so the innovation can go on and it's not at central bank level. Yes, uh, I think that's a, 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 a psychological thing of, of trying to keep control of something uh, because they because probably central banks feel control. We do it ourselves means we have it, we have it under control and it's ours. But at the same time, I give you an example in the US, right? Also, if you, if you think about what the largest contract of the Pentagon is today, it's actually with AWS. So that means it's not controlling it themselves anymore, uh, having their own server farms, which are fully within their walls. It's the innovation is so fast that actually they've chosen we need to work with a private sector uh, company. Um, and, and I think it's a bit that same element. It's that's holding on to we need to control the base infrastructure fully uh, on the on the one hand side, and then you have the technological advancements which are ex exponential on the other hand. And it takes some time for let's say centralized central government and, and 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 national banks to figure to understand that that actually you can't you can't block or stop an open ecosystem where you have hundreds of thousands of people making it safe, secure, and innovate on it, right? No national bank can, in my view, in the long term, do that because they're... It's like, it's like you know, why set up a surveillance state when you can have Google operating and doing it privately? Zero cost for you. You just need to help <laughs> maybe protect some of their data. That's zero cost for a surveillance state. This is what's yeah. going on. So I kind of feel the same... You know, when I speak to people like Jeremy Allaire from Circle, and I know he's biased in this, but I think he's probably right. It's like, why would they? Why would the Fed not use USDC or one of these stablecoin infrastructures that can be Fedcoin, stablecoin? Doesn't really matter what's on it, but just use that. That so let the private sector continue to innovate, but the bit that they need is the monetary transmission mechanism. They own the Fed own. Yes, and I think the one key decision that, that all the central banks will take is whether they want to have a wholesale or uh, you know retail uh, CBDC. So, for example, in Switzerland, they, they the, the national bank decided that they don't want to have a retail um, CBDC. What this means is not every individual having a wallet and accessing the the, the digital coin directly, but rather just the banks, um, so that it's, uh, and, and then um, the banks then distributing it as it's actually in today's, uh, today's system. And in such a wholesale environment, a wholesale CBDC environment, there are very much, uh, I'm convinced that we will have actually both. We will have a national bank issued such tokens, which then interact with privately um, the USDCs that we have even launched ourselves, the DCHF, the Digital Swiss franc, which we use for settlement purposes, with that then are interoperable with with private uh, with privately issued coins because there's different use cases, right? particularly when it comes to settlement of asset tokens, etc. So that's a little bit how I how I think about it. But the Chinese, of course, is different because they have a different purpose and goal. It's control again, but down to the, you know, I'm buying, someone buys a chewing gum and I know where this was and how much they paid for it. Uh, so that's a different philosophy that they're following. So they always... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know about that. I think that's a Western-driven narrative because I think the West does the same, um, just in different ways. So I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I do understand that China desperately wants to get rid of the swift payment rails, for starters. You know, there's a whole bunch of other things that needs to happen. The reliance, the over-reliance on the US dollar is a problem globally. Now, the US likes it because it gives it its hegemon status, but it's 88% of every single transaction on earth. And the US is only 25% of global GDP. It's unsustainable. Mm -hmm. 
yes, uh, yeah, yes, uh, yes, that's true, and that's that that fight that is going on uh, uh, right now. And I think um, if it goes on uh, like this, um, and, and you know much better than I because you've you've been analyzing the, let's say, the macro USD uh, environment much more than I, then I think China has a chance of at least gaining some of this because they're ahead, right, with this infrastructure and uh, with rolling it out and actually also already soliciting uh, support in the region, let's say, right? So it's not just China anymore. Uh, they're they're uh, operating way beyond, beyond that, even on the digital um, on the digital currency side. It's all super fascinating. I mean, the good thing I love about this space is none of us know where this is going. We all know that it's going somewhere over there really fast. And we don't really know. And it's great because it's it opens up opportunity everywhere. Um, where... As a final question for you, what are you most excited about personally right now in this whole thing? What's the thing that you go, you know what, this is really cool, love this. Oh man, there's so many things, but so many things. But fundamentally, is that I I think we have now reached a stage and just the overall movement that there is no that I feel so relaxed about that there won't be any turning back, right? It will be, it will take time, it will be ups and downs, and uh, there will be hype cycles, there will be frontier innovations, uh, hundreds of new companies, 90% may fail, but the 10% will become huge companies, multi-billion dollar valuations, and it for good reasons. Uh, right now, we see that with you know the DeFi and NFT space. I've mentioned it before, for example, where obviously you have people telling you it's just a bubble, it's just bullshit. Um, but that's too short-sighted, um, in my view. So, but overall, what excites me the most is that we have reached a maturity of this. Uh, yeah, it is a movement and the buildup of the infrastructure that is there that it cannot be reversed. Um, it can be maybe slowed down a bit regionally, uh, sector-wise, but I think it's really happening. And, um, and hence, I'm just happy to be in the midst of it and you know, in the flow and knowing things change and we have to be agile. And as you say, we don't know what's in two years, but um, you know, the true north, where we're headed, is so clear to me. And so that's, that gives me um, you know, uh, calmness and, the, and, 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 ex, and I'm excited to be an entrepreneur in this space at, at, at this yeah. time. It's, it's, it's an amazing time to be alive. And uh, it's just amazing to see more and more people migrate across to this new world and, and understand it's not going away. It's not a hype cycle. It's not a speculative bubble. Of course, there'll be manias with involved in it. But what it is, is an actual fundamental Fundamentally, the biggest change to the global financial system and exchange of value system in all recorded history is underway and it's happening at lightning speed. And it's just exactly. brilliant to be here, right? Exactly. Yes. Enjoying it every day. Yeah. That's it. Great. Thank you ever so much uh, for filling us in on, on some of your thoughts, what's going on in Europe, what's going on in Switzerland. And you know, without question, we'll get you back on and maybe you can come and do some interviews for us at some point. It would be a pleasure anytime and I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, wish you a great, great day. Thank you. You're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com.